0: know me. Uh, My name is Jonathan Rickert. I lead the Sunday service teams here at Church in the Valley and I am going to be uh, speaking this morning for Alex um, while he's out of town. This morning we're actually at the tail end of a series called Relationships at the Box Office. Next week is our final week of this series. And what we've been looking at is we've been looking at some of the movies that have been coming out this summer and pulling out of them themes that specifically relate to relationships. And then we're taking those themes, those attitudes, and we're looking at what the Bible has to say about them. Uh, In particular, what we're looking at is um, attitudes that are relationship killers. Um, So ones that specifically harm our relationships. Um, This morning, we're going to be looking at a movie that actually just opened this weekend. The Secret Life of Pets, and uh, the relationship killer attitude we're going to be looking at is selfishness. So let's go ahead and start out by watching that trailer. Looks like we lost our sound. Hold on one second. Come on, Max. I got to go. See you tonight. Bye, Gidget. So long, Mel. See you later, Chloe. Good morning, Max. What's up, guys? Any plans today? I got big plans. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to wait for Katie to come back. Oh, I miss her so much. She's back. She's back. Hey, Maximilian. I have some big news. Oh, Max, this is Duke. He's going to be your brother. Chloe, Chloe, I got a bad situation. Katie brought home a psychopath from the pound. I don't even have a bed now. I'm sleeping on the floor like a dog. Duke is just ruining our lives. He's rude. It's an emergency. You need a QD five. Hey, Max, I'm headed. Alex, 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 here? Mind your own business. Oh my gosh, what happened to you? <laughs> wait. wait. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you hear that? Butterflop. Butterfly, butterfly, butterfly. <laughs> Max. He's missing. We've got to find him. Katie's going to be worried sick. We had a great thing going. I blame myself. Yeah, me too. I blame you a lot. We'll bust the both of you out of here, but from now on, you work for me. Advantage me! Uh-oh. Just ignore what just happened, okay? Come on, man! City, I'll find your friend. We gotta take the secret route. Go! Okay, the secret route was death. Come on! We can find our way home. We are descended from the mighty wolf. We have raw primal instincts. Hi, how are you? That are moments away from leading us home. Is it home that way? Seriously. The secret life of Fitz. Be a good boy, Leonard. All righty. (laughs) Um, So to give you a quick overview of this movie, uh, no spoilers, Max is a terrier who's living in a a, uh, Manhattan apartment with his owner, Katie. And then as you saw, one day she brings home a new dog from the pound named Duke. And uh, what ends up happening is this incites a rivalry between Max and Duke in which uh, Max is trying to sort of get rid of this new dog to bring things back um, to the way that they were before he arrived. Um, and then outside of that, there's a whole nother plot line about a rabbit and his army of uh, disposed of pets that I won't get into. I'll let you watch the movie and enjoy that. Um, but what we see, what, what you can even see a little bit from this trailer is just this attitude of selfishness that Max has in regards to this new pet coming along and that really he's just looking at himself. So let's go ahead and start out by looking at, you know, what is selfishness? Um, if we look at Merriam-Webster, it defines selfishness as having or showing concern only for yourself and not for the needs or feelings of other people, and being concerned excessively or exclusively with oneself, seeking or concentrating on one, one's own advantage, pleasure, or well-being without regard to others. So, in essence, if we look at selfishness, what it actually is. It's really a a focus on oneself Um, as we dig a little bit deeper into that, though. What we find is what what selfishness really is. It's a strategy that we employ to get what we want. Um, It's a strategy that we try to use to bring us happiness, to bring us fulfillment. Um, And as we can see in these definitions from um, the dictionary, In particular, it's a strategy that we employ in regards to how we relate to other people. Um, In the movie, you know, Max is sort of like the stereotypical spoiled only child. Um, You know, he wants to be the sole focus of attention of Katie, his parent, his owner. um, And he really likes the way that things are. When Duke, the, the dog, the pound dog comes along as a new brother, Um, you know, Max responds by selfishly seeking to sort of hurt, um, the image of Duke in order to get rid of him, um, and get back to the way things were before. Because in Max's mind, he wants to get what he wants, which he, he's looking for happiness. And he thinks the way to happiness is to get rid of this other dog, um, Our culture, you know, this idea of selfishness, using the strategy of selfishness that we see Max employ in the movie is that our culture is actually highly encourages this strategy. It's pretty pervasive in our our culture. It it, used it as an effective way to get happiness in all areas of life, including in our relationships. Um, You know, we our culture basically says that this is how you get what you want. So let's look at some of these messages that we hear in our culture today. One of them is just follow your heart. Sometimes you have to follow your heart no matter the consequences. Another one is just be yourself. You know, be yourself and have fun. Another one, do what makes you happy. That kid does certainly look like he's having fun. And finally, I've got to be me. Now, I, I don't know about you guys, but looking at these four messages, just follow your heart or, you know, many times we hear it is just follow your dreams. Um, just be yourself. Do what makes you happy. I've got to be me. If I'm being really honest, you know, these really are enticing. You know, it really does sort of resonate with me, you know, resonate with my desires. You know, we look at those quotes, just be yourself. And you'll be happy. Well, being myself is the easiest thing I possibly can do. That sounds great. I don't have to try at all. I can just, you know, there I am. I'm done. I'm happy. Um, you know, if you look at the pictures. We see people having fun, having adventure. You know, our culture really shows this strategy of selfishness as really being an effective way to get what we want, to get happiness. Um, and so, you know, basically what we're told in our culture, if we do these things our relationships are going to be really good, right? Well, as per the topic of our message today um, suggests, that is not true. Selfishness actually kills our relationships. Um, it actually does pretty much the opposite of what we're hoping to do and uh, kills them. So let's let's what is a good relationship look like? Uh, there's a number of scriptures in the Bible um, that specifically talk about how we ought to relate to one another. Um, These verses are often called the one another verses, Um, and they really show us how we can have good relationships because they show us how God um, tells us to relate to one another and therefore how to have good relationships. Um, We're not going to go over all those verses because that could be a series all on its own. Um, It also could be a really good Bible study for you to go on. But I'm going to give a very general um, sort of summary or conclusion from what these verses say. Um, about what a good relationship is. And essentially what it is, is that a good relationships operate out of mutual benefit for both parties. Um, And lots of times that does result in both parties uh, having mutual enjoyment as well. So something that I'm sure is actually very obvious to you is that it is really hard to sustain relationships long term in which there's no reciprocity from the other person. When there's a one sided relationship, it's actually very difficult to maintain that long term because it's just going to be very wearing. Um, so the problem with selfishness in relationships is that one party is focused solely on themselves. Um, one party is looking to relate and to build a relationship is looking out for the other person while the other person in return is looking solely at themselves. And when that happens, there's really no good way. There's no um, way that, you know, it sort of precludes any um, relating on any meaningful level from happening at all. You know, Proverbs actually looks at this and talks about it being silliness or foolishness to have this sort of focus. If we look at Proverbs 18:1, it says, whoever isolates himself. Seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. When we have an attitude of of selfishness, it's very much an insulating look at ourselves. We're really focused on ourselves, what we want. Again, as I said, it's really a strategy of how we're trying to get what we want, how we're trying to get happiness. Um, And so, in doing that, it isolates ourselves because we're going after our own desires. And as the verse says, It's not a wise way to go about things. Actually, the NIV translates the beginning of this verse saying an unfriendly person pursues selfish ends. And I think the reason that that person is unfriendly is because they're focused on themselves. Um, They don't have room in their lives for other people. And so they can't have friendships. So they're isolated and they're alone. You know, the problem with this is that we were created for relationships. Um, In selfishness, we're really only having a relationship with ourselves, but we are created to have relationships with others. We are created to have a relationship, first of all, to God. Um, He created us that we could know him and uh, experience him. And um, whether we have decided to follow him with our lives or not, he still created us for that and desires greatly that we would give our lives over to him and begin to have a relationship with him. Um, He's also created us to relate to other people. God first created Adam and then he created Eve as a teammate for Adam, someone to walk through life with him, for him to have a relationship with um, and then commanded them to go and fill the earth again, building communities, having more and more relationships. And finally, in the New Testament, we see that um, in the body of Christ, we're expected we're, we're supposed to be part of the body of Christ, the church. And so, again, here's a point where we're called forward to be in relationships. So in pursuing this strategy of selfishness and trying to you know, get what we want, um, what we're actually doing is we're going against our make. We're going against the way that we're designed. Um, it's like the instruction manual saying to you, you know, you need to put petrol in the tank to move forward. But instead, we put in vanilla extract. You know, it's, it's just not going to get us very far. It's it's not the way that we are made. We are made to have relationships, and selfishness does not go in that direction. Um, in the movie, we see Max, you know, he's sort of sad and alone, you know, maybe a little pathetic when Katie leaves. He just sits by the door pining for her to return. Um, when Duke comes in, you know, what that does is really he has the opportunity to have a relationship, someone to keep him company like a brother throughout the day, someone he can have a real relationship with. But instead, because of how the way that because of what he wants, the way he's fixed on seeking to get it out of his selfishness, you know, he builds this sort of rivalry with the other dog, um, you know, that really has the opportunity to kill his relationship with Duke. You'll have to watch the movie to see what happens in the end. Um, And, you know, in all honesty, if his owner, Katie, were to see the way that he was responding to her new pet, likely that would actually hurt his relationship with Katie as well. You know, in my own life, I've actually seen um, selfishness kill relationships in my family. Uh, A number of years ago, my aunt decided that she wanted to become a professional blogger. And so she ended up leaving and divorcing my uncle because she felt that he was holding her back from becoming a famous blogger. Um, I know, in all honesty, I'm not sure what else played into this. But as I understand it, that was a major factor in what drove this wedge in their marriage. So in this case, you know, she was really focused on what she wanted, how she thought she was going to get happiness. And that was really a look at just herself. And what that caused is it actually caused a rift in their relationship, which ended up to the killing of their relationship. And that actually ended up killing the relationship with her and a lot of the rest of my family. Um, And, you know, there's possible consequences going into the future with her daughter and going forward that I don't even know. Now, as a side note, um, a little bit of happiness. Many years later, God actually got a hold of my aunt's life. And she became a believer, which I'm very thankful for. Um, But there's still actually a lot of sadness in it because those relationships are are still gone. They're still dead um, because of that major act of of selfishness on her part. Now, I know, you know, not all selfishness is quite so big, um, quite so extreme. But even the small things can hurt relationships over time. I know, you know, some of the times when I struggle with selfishness the most is when I get on the road after work. Big time selfishness struggle. But another one is just when I get home, you know, I've had a long day at work. It's really easy for me to really be focused on what I want to do, what I want to achieve that night. You know, I want to get rest. And yet there's my wife and my son. And if I continue to have a pattern of selfishness with them over time, that's actually really going to hurt my relationship. So it's not even just big acts of selfishness. It's selfishness in the everyday that can cause problems and wedges in our relationships. If we look back at the story of my aunt uh, for a minute, you know, something that really jumped out at me as I was preparing uh, preparing for this message uh, was just that cultural message again of just follow your heart, just follow your dreams. You know, I think in a lot of ways, this is a message of selfishness that she actually latched onto, that she looked at, you know, this is the way to get what I want. This is the way to... To get happiness, I just got to follow my dreams. Um, and what it ended in was, again, killed relationships. If we look at James three thirteen through 16, uh, in it, Paul is actually comparing the wisdom of the world against the wisdom of God. Um, and so he says, who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct? Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. So if we look back again to that story of my aunt, I think what we see is we see the playing out of earthly wisdom. Um, And we see the results on it. And so, you know, where we have that earthly wisdom, where we have selfish ambition, um, we're going to, you know, find disorder in every vile practice. We're going to find relationships that are hurt, that are damaged, that are killed. Um, So let's I'm going to go ahead and shift gears now um, from the destruction of selfishness. And let's look, you know, what's a better way? Okay, we've seen that selfishness really is bad. You guys probably already knew that. Um, so, you know, what's a better way, how can we do something that, um, is really going to move us beyond selfishness? Well, if we look at Philippians two, um, Paul was writing to the church in Philippi and in one section, he actually talks very much about the subject that we're looking at. He's talking about how we ought to do our relationships. Um, so Philippians two, three through four, it says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Um, now, uh, if if I stop us for just a second, I am not a Greek scholar, um, but I can not use the Internet and the Internet is the closest I can get to a Greek scholar. Um, if we look at this word selfishness right here, it's saying that selfishness was just great. It's often also translated as rivalry or selfish ambition. Um, what the word really means is rivalry, self-seeking, and it's acting for one's own gain, regardless of the discord strife it causes. So, looking at what we've been looking at selfishness, this verse again is talking very much about that exact subject. So, as we go on, it says, But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So, if we look specifically, you know, what's counterpointed to selfishness here is humility. It talks about humility is actually the way that we need to approach our relationships that moves us beyond selfishness and allows us to have good relationships. If we hop over really quickly to um, Ephesians four, one through three in this, Paul was writing the, um, the church in Ephesus, and he's talking about how we need to have unity in the church. And once again, here. He yeah, specifically mentions humility as a way that we can have these good relationships, that we can walk step in step as a church. Um, so he says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the uni- unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Um, so I, I pull that up again is just a, a, a second showing that really humility is a way to really help us move beyond selfishness and have good relationships. But, you know, what is humility? Let's go ahead and take a look at that. If we look back at Philippians 2, um, 3 through 4, you know, often in our culture, when we, at least for me, when I hear the word humility, hear humility talked about, it seems like it's being talked about as thinking sort of poorly of ourselves, that that's sort of what being humble is, is you just really have this very low estimation of who you are. Um, What we see from Philippians here, though, it's not so much that we think less of ourselves, but that we think of ourselves less. Um, It's really uh, instead of thinking about ourselves, we're actually putting our focus of our minds on other people. What we see is that it's actually a spirit of deference, is that we're choosing to put others above ourselves. We are deferring to them, deferring to their desires, their needs, their interests. Um, And it's not even a matter of us forgetting ourselves entirely. If we look at verse four, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. So it's really a matter of, you know, seeing other people's interests and then go ahead and putting those above ourselves. So really this attitude of humility is an attitude of deferring to others. Uh, Actually, a really good example of this here at CAV is Barry Rogers. Um, I'm sure many of you have experienced Barry and the blessing that he gives us in his truck. Um, (laughs) You know, Barry is so often called upon to help people move. Uh, When we have an event, he goes to storage and picks the stuff up. And then, you know, before the event, then after the event ends, everyone else goes home. Barry goes back to storage and returns stuff. Um, you know, he's helped me move an ellipt- elliptical. He's so many times, he's been called upon, um, and so many times he actually just offers himself. And what what that really is is he's actually deferring his plans, you know, what his desires for that moment, so that he can help and serve others. You know, he does this on weeknights after work. You know, that time where I'm talking about being selfish. You know, he does it on weekends. Um, just time and time and again, again, he's put aside his plans. He's put aside what his desires, and he's really reaching out and helping other people with theirs. Um, the ultimate example that we have of this humility is Jesus Christ. If we look um, at the following verses, verses five through eight, um, I'll go ahead and read the first three um, just to have the context. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And a thing to be grasped, that means it's not something that he was going to hold on to. Instead, he let it go, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the to the point of death, even death on a cross. So what we see here is we see the example. Oh, sorry about that. We see the example of Jesus Christ, who, um, being God, really deserves honor, deserves us honoring him, deserves glory. But what he did, instead of holding on to that, he actually let that go. And he took our interests, our interest to have a good life, our interest to know him, which, again, we were created for, but that we had walked away from. He took that interest and he put it above his right to be glorified by us. And so he actually came down to earth and allowed us, you know, to kill him in order to that he could restore that relationship again. Um, so, again, he's just a prime example of what this type of humility looks like. Can we imagine? I mean, can you imagine if God was not humble? Man, we'd be in so much trouble. I mean, he would have snuffed this out so long ago. If he didn't put our interest above his, you know, if he didn't put our our interest above his glory, then we'd be in serious trouble. Um, But because he takes on this form of humility, which he gives, allows us to have a really good relationship with him. So, Now let's look, how do we, okay, so we looked at selfishness. Selfishness, bad. Humility, good. Hopefully we're clear on that. But how do we move into this selfishness? You know, how do we practically do it? Well, I'm glad you asked. First of all, one of the things we can do is we can move from deserve to serve. Um, A lot of our selfishness is actually tied to arrogance. We feel that we deserve what we want. Um, And so one of the things we need to do is, As our desires for things come up and we have a desire to pursue them as opposed to looking to the interests of others, um, as opposed to putting those above our own, we need to choose to put away our feelings of deserving. And instead, as humility shows, just put other people first. The next thing we can do is we can move from me to we. Um, As we looked at, you know, selfishness is a strategy. It's a strategy that we employ to get what we want to. And most of the time it's to get happiness is to get fulfillment or the things that we think will give us happiness and fulfillment. You know, these desires are not a bad thing. We're not. God is not calling us to become robots and to put aside the desire for self for happiness, to put aside the desire for fulfillment. Um, So but what he is asking us to do is to take other people's interests and put those above our own. So, again, it's not a matter of just them. We're not called to think only about them, but we're called to move from me to we, from them to us, is that we're looking at um, both myself and others and deferring to put others above myself, which the final thing here is to take that idea a little bit further. Um, You know, we saw that selfishness is that strategy to get what we want. Um, That desire for happiness, that desire for fulfillment is not a wrong thing. But how we choose to pursue it and where we look to gain it from, that's what matters. Um, so instead of using this strategy to look for it, what we need to begin to do is to trust that God will take care of us. Um, as we begin to trust that God is going to take care of us and we essentially stop worrying about ourselves, that really frees us up to look towards the interests of others. Now, there's many verses in the Bible that talk about, you know, the faithfulness of God and talk about the great life that he wants to give us. Um, so I would recommend, you know, going ahead and looking through that. But as we as we as we trust in those, again, that freezes up to look towards the inches of others. I'm going to just pull out one of those verses. Um, it's a verse in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 226. Now, what Ecclesiastes, um, it's essentially was a very honest and blunt look at life by the wisest man who ever lived Um, and in his examination on life one of the conclusions that he came up with was this verse which is to the person who pleases him god gives wisdom knowledge and happiness um, or wisdom knowledge and joy but to the sinner he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases god this, too, is meaningless and a chasing after the wind. So essentially what this verse says is, you know, where do we get happiness from? Happiness actually is a gift from God as we as we please him. And so instead of pursuing selfishly, pursuing our own ends to try to get happiness, What we need to do is instead trust that as we please God, which putting the interest of others above our own does, as we seek after God and please him, he's going to give us the things that will make us happy. And therefore, we don't need to be pursuing that ourselves. Well, I'm going to go ahead and start wrapping up this morning. I'm going to invite the uh, band to come on up. Um, One of the things that we do here at Church in the Valley is uh, we actually encourage people Each week to take a next step. And what that is, it's just really a practical application of the things that you're learning. Um, And the reason for that is that we really get a lot of the blessing out of the actual doing of God's word. Um, And so this is a way to try to encourage you to begin to to do that, um, to to reap some of the benefits of some of the things we've been hearing about. Um, I have a few suggested next steps. But if anything else came to mind in this morning, you know, please do that. One is to evaluate a TV show that you watch regularly and find themes of selfishness in it. You know, as we saw this morning, there's a lot of um, themes of selfishness in our culture. It's very easy for our hearts to get wrapped around those. And many times we don't even realize that they're there. So this is a way to really just take some time to look, you know, what kind of things am I hearing from our culture? Another thing to do is ask God each day this week to show you any relationship that you are harming through selfishness. Um, and then finally, if you know God has brought someone to mind, you can just choose humility in my relationship with that person, with so-and-so, um, as a real opportunity just to um, move beyond selfishness and move into humility and actually have good relationships. Well, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us this morning as we continue worshiping. Dear God, we just thank you for your word. And I just ask that your word would speak to us this morning, that um, you would just change our hearts by your goodness. Uh, we thank you uh, that we have the opportunity to, uh, to know you, to have good relationships with other people, God. Um, so I just pray that you'd help us to see where in our life uh, we are choosing a strategy of selfishness and help us to put that aside put aside how we go after, uh, what we want, how we go after happiness. And instead, uh, just look to you, um, for happiness and therefore be able to focus on others, God, and just to develop meaningful, um, helpful and encouraging relationships with them. And we just ask you that you would change our hearts this week. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.